Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. How has your communication with your spouse been lately? Communication, like many other aspects of marriage, can have its highs and its lows. And it seems like there's times when talking about things deeper than the weather and the schedules comes easy. Other times, though, we find ourselves so distant that we don't want to talk about what we need because the last few times we've tried, it just hasn't gone well. In our last episode of Vows to Keep Radio, we wandered into the waters of attitude, a topic most of us normally don't associate with improving the communication side of our marriage, and yet we learned that our attitude directly affects communication in our marriage. In these few episodes on attitude, we're going to ask and answer four key questions. What sets my attitude? What speaks my attitude to my spouse? And how does that affect our communication and unity? And third, where do I need to reset my attitude? How do I do that? And if it seems like it's more your spouse who is in need of an attitude adjustment, hey, answer the first three questions for yourself. We're going to set you up to be successful for the fourth one. How do I help my spouse reset their attitude? That's the question. God wants to use you to help your spouse to grow just as much as he wants to tweak your own heart and mind where that's needed as well. So let's jump right in, Tracy, and answer that today on Vows to Keep Radio, the show where you get sound biblical counsel that you can apply immediately to your marriage. We're your hosts, David and Tracy Sellers of Vows to Keep. We're biblical marriage counselors, authors, teachers, podcast hosts, radio hosts, and conference speakers. If you want to get back to being on fire for your spouse and for God, you're in the right place. As we talk about how attitude affects our communication, there's something subtle here that you might not pick up on right away, but We are specifically staying away from tips and tricks, so to speak, in this series on communication because no marriage we've ever seen has gone the distance and had true unity because they just checked all the boxes that their therapist told them to, like validate your spouse's feelings in a conversation and use I statements when communicating with your spouse. Say what you want rather than what you don't want. Respond with open-ended questions, all these things. The thing is, what comes out of our mouth the actual words we say and how we say them aren't just something that we can manage by sheer will. We can pretend for a while, but in the end, all the tips in the world won't change our communication because what we say and how we say it is directly tied to what is in our hearts. As Christians, we know that God has given us a new heart. He's put a new spirit inside of us. We're made new and now we have the honor of becoming more Christ-like in everything we do. The Bible tells us that God gives us everything we need for life and godliness, and that includes attitudes that sometimes seem so hard to change. I wish that we had time today to go through scripture after scripture, really seeking to learn more about Jesus, know him better so that we can look like him, like we're called to do. I would highly recommend you do that on your own. But today, I think we can sum up a lot of Christ's attitudes and the attitudes he wants us to have by looking at Galatians 5, and 23. You might know already where I'm headed with this, the fruit of the spirit, right? That might be a familiar passage to you, but have you ever looked at it in light of Jesus' attitude? 
Can you see Jesus had an attitude of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If you were a follower or close companion of Jesus while he was on earth, you would have seen these things every time he spoke, in every interaction, every thought, and every deed. That same MO is repeated in Colossians chapter 3. We're called to have tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. I see that in Jesus. And I see his attitude talked about even in the Old Testament where he's prophesied about. You and I didn't get the chance to walk and talk with him in person. But if I look at my life, I know he's all these things to me right now. He had an attitude of humility and faithfulness when he went to the cross for me. He is merciful and patient with me when I sin. He's kind and good when I don't deserve it. He's the source of my joy, my peace, my love, because he's the epitome of those things to me, no matter how bad of a day I'm having, no matter how I treat him. In John 14 through 16, Jesus wasn't kidding when he told his disciples that it would be better for them if he went away, because if he did, he would send his spirit to be with us forever, working in our hearts to make us more like Christ. That's why Galatians 5 calls these attitudes the fruit of the spirit. It's him working in our hearts. Jesus teaches us how to do marriage by the way he treats us. My aim should be to have the attitude of Christ. My aim should be to reflect his character, the fruit of the spirit working in my life in all of my interactions with David. But how do we do this? How do we keep in step with the spirit, not indulging in the flesh, letting just whatever attitude or feeling we have in the moment be what controls us? Yeah. How can we change our attitudes And how does that, of course, result in a change in communication? Well, last time we introduced five very practical steps for change. Believe truth. Think truth. Speak truth. Live truth. And give truth. And I love this because it helps break down what's happening in the communication that Tracy and I have into manageable steps. And you can memorize these five steps with us. And I can see them in my own mind's eye. Believe truth, think truth, speak truth, live truth, give truth. And I can see the results when I apply them. And if you want to grab them for yourself, go to our show notes on the website, vowstokeep.com. Let's break this down. The first one is believe truth. And that is foundational. Every wrong action begins by believing a lie. But the opposite is also true. When we believe the right things, the truth from God's word about ourselves, about our spouse, or really any situation at all, that will lead us to the next step, and that is to think truth. We won't think truth unless that is actually what's in our hearts. The Bible says what comes out of our mouths comes from our hearts, and that means that when we think truth, we will speak truth as well. When we speak truth, it affects what we do, how we live our life. And in turn, we live truth in light of the right beliefs that allows us to give truth, breathing out truth and trusting truth in our marriage. Here's the thing. All of these steps, they set you up for success, not only in your marriage, but in how you will communicate in your marriage. God is powerful enough to turn the things that you think are impossible completely around. As you put following him and his word at the foundation of everything you believe, think, say, and do, the results will come. And we started this episode by asking, how's your communication been with your spouse lately? 
if we could sit down with you and your spouse and have this conversation as as two on two, and then we're able to get to some of the real honest answers about how your attitude has been, all four of us could most likely quickly see how the attitudes in your home and the communication go hand in hand. And this is because your attitude, whether good or bad, sets the culture of your home. A lot of times I think we we think of our attitude as being something that's in the background. It doesn't get a lot of attention, to be honest. But it is like the rudder that steers the ship of your entire relationship. So the first place to start when looking at attitude is asking the question, what sets my attitude? Where does it come from? Am I just a victim? Can it come from anywhere and I can't do anything about it? Well, last time on Vows to Keep Radio, we boiled down what sets our attitude to three things. Number one, what I believe. Number two, what I want. And number three, what areas in my life am I not being obedient to God's word? If you missed that episode, go back and listen so you can get the full scope of this for your marriage. Find it at vowstokeep.com slash podcast. Attitude can be seen in some really obvious ways and some not so obvious. We might think of attitude as being something we can lump into just one big category, like she has a bad attitude. Or we might say to our kids, stop taking an attitude with me. The problem is when something is generalized, it's hard to weed it out. It remains sort of nebulous, it's untouchable, and it can even make it feel unsolvable. But when we recognize specific attitudes for what they are, we can pinpoint where each of them come from and then get to the root to weed them out permanently. So let's go through some quote unquote bad attitudes to get to their root. And just so you know, I am not pointing the finger in any way. I am guilty of most of these that I'm going to mention, including this first one here, the hard to please attitude. Now that might not be what you call it, but you might recognize this one in your own life too, because we all want it the way we want it. And we know exactly what we want. The lie here is life is about pleasure and I should strive to make my life as comfortable as I can make it. The lie is that you'll be happier if things go exactly as you want them to. Well, the truth is when we seek to please the Lord, when we seek after his will and not our own, that is when we will have real joy. Let's talk about another one that's similar. It's the put out attitude, letting others know how much it costs you. The lie is this is costing me too much. I do not have the margin for this and I will lose something I need for my own happiness if I do this. The truth is God will supply all my needs in Christ Jesus. As I seek to serve him and love him with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, you know what? I will be worn out, but it's going to be for the best cause there is. And in the end, God is the only one who gives me a reward that matters. How about the condemning attitude? You know the ones. Come on, man. Really? Now, the lie is that some people are stupid. They just need correcting. They need their stupidity pointed out to them. The truth is, though, God made people in his image. They deserve honor and respect, and people are fallible. Only God is perfect and isn't going to make mistakes. So if someone truly needs help, Titus 3.2 says that we need to come alongside them in a spirit of gentleness. That is how you will love them through the mistakes. Another attitude that's common is the, the quick, like, oh, shoot. <laughs> the lie is I'm in like a deep, deep hole. I am up a creek. The truth is that when God is our God, there's no hole too deep for him. 
There's no current too strong to take you past his abilities. The truth is that our panic moments where we swear out of frustration, they only show that we don't have the depth of faith that we think we do. Our decisions have implications. There's no doubt about it. But believe truth. God is bigger than any lion's den that you're going to find yourself in or that you're going to put yourself in. Let's talk about negative attitude. I am guilty of this one for sure. Assuming the worst, pointing out flaws in myself, in others, but especially in situations. This also goes along the same vein as everything is going wrong most of the time attitude. The lie is that if I talk about what's wrong, I'm just stating the facts. I'm not actually complaining. The truth is God is in control of every situation. He loves us and he is going to provide for us and we don't have to seek to provide for ourselves. Now, if you're in a situation and you're actually seeking a resolution, you're going to present the facts very differently than if you are looking to simply complain or vent and try to make things more comfortable for yourself. That conversation will not include any gossip, any drama, any slander, any complaining. It's going to be all about how you can be a help to someone in the situation, how you can make it better because you are serving Christ. Some come with a constantly apologetic attitude. And the lie is that you're doing something wrong, even when you're not. And sometimes the lie is that people are simply judging you. They are focused on your performance or your lack thereof. The truth is, you only have to answer to God. If your heart and your motivations are right, you can act in confidence. Another attitude is the sarcastic one. The lie is that you can easily get your point across and get your way with harsh humor. The truth is God has asked you to build up others with your words. That we find in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's do a few more attitudes before we get into the rest of the broadcast here. The leave me alone attitude. Are you ever like this? Or is your spouse like this? The lie is my spouse and whatever they need isn't worth my time and attention. I've focused on that before. I've tried to help and it never comes back to me. I'm the giver. I'm rarely the receiver. Who's going to be about me if it's not me? My wants have to be higher on the priority list. The truth is, according to God, he's actually the provider of your needs. Do you have unmet needs? I've thought that too, but God always brings me back to the reality that he has covered my needs. My wants, though, are often where the issue lies. God, in many ways, restrains the wants I have that aren't for my good. And if I'm honest, I don't love that, but do I trust my heavenly father? Let's do just one more. The annoyed attitude. The lie is, hey, I don't have time for your bad decisions and all the ways it is affecting my life. The truth is, Jesus taught us in Luke chapter 15 to leave the 99 and to go after the sinner, after the person who needs help. Too many of us simply just count the cost of our spouse's sin and we reward our spouse with our pursuit when they please us. We give them the cold shoulder when they're annoying us, when their sin hurts us. Jesus taught just the opposite. Lean in the most when they deserve it the least. For each of these or whatever attitude we didn't talk about that you're prone to, it's good to look at them in the context of expectations. What attitudes do I have when I'm striving to get my expectations met? And what attitudes do I have when my expectations are not getting met? In either case, to know where expectations come from, 
we can also look at the first question we asked last time on Vows to Keep Radio, what am I believing? And we want to ask that again, because most expectations have their root in one thing, belief. We make the mistake of believing that God and what he offers is not enough to satisfy. So I've got to make myself happy. And I have a long list of things I want, and I have to have them to be happy. The second half of that belief is that we can make, we can force others to get us what we want. And if they don't give it to us, our spouse is now someone who's in the way of what we want. So I use attitude to get them to move on my behalf. Sometimes we start with God. I lobby my complaints to him. Hey, God, I want an easier path. I want what that other person has. I don't want this hardship that my spouse is bringing me. I just want to be successful, comfortable, and happy. That's not working. He doesn't answer my prayer, so I take matters into my own hands. And now I'm difficult, demanding, put out, and isolated. And I work really hard to manipulate an outcome. I used to let God be the Lord of my life, but now I'm the Lord of my life. And unfortunately, I can't hide it. It's all over my attitude, what I'm saying, how I'm living, how I'm expecting others to live within my rules. I don't know about you, but every time this topic is taught, it pricks my spirit. I know I need help in this area. How about you? If this is striking a chord with you too, we invite you to go deeper by going to vows2keep.com and using the resources that we've created for you there. Blogs, articles, podcasts. We are in the struggle with you because we know there's an answer. And we know we can find it in God's word. And so can you. Here's a helpful exercise. If you want to see real communication change in your marriage, this is your homework. After this episode, take a few minutes to write out the expectations you've had lately, whether met or unmet. Then next to each one, I want you to write the attitude you had in either trying to get that expectation met or the attitude you had when that expectation did not get met. Then next to that, Write what you are believing is wrong. And finally, search God's word for the truth you need to believe instead. Write down the scriptures so you can refer to it again and again as you start to allow God to change your heart. Now, if we combat the lies we're believing with truth and the expectations that follow is a big part of that. And how do we change our expectations? Well, we do that by changing what we want. And that begs the question, What's the thing that you've been wanting lately? Your spouse to be what they used to be, your wife to meet your needs, your husband to take more of an interest in you. If we're seeking after pleasure, we're seeking after comfort, we're seeking after our agenda, something that we feel is just out of reach, it comes right through in the attitudes that we will have. God says that if we delight ourselves in him, wanting what he wants, He will actually give us the desires of our heart. And I love that verse because the true meaning is that God loves us too much to just give us our selfish expectations. When we ask him for something that feeds the wrong beliefs or when we demand something that we want from our spouse, God will ultimately withhold it because he knows it is not for our good. But if we let him change our desires, to shape our hearts, to have desires that bring him glory, that build his kingdom with what we say, with what we believe, with what we do, with what we think, what we give away. He'll do that in a heartbeat. When you learn to be content in him and him alone, your heart will be so at peace. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer each morning when you get up for the next week. God, will you change my heart to want what you want? 
And finally, today on Vows to Keep Radio, let's talk about that final headline and what sets our attitudes. Are there areas of God's word I'm not being obedient? Let's go through a few common examples. Am I taking thoughts captive or dwelling on impure thoughts? Because if I'm not, man, that is going to wreck your attitude. You will be closed off. You'll be guilty. You'll even be self-justifying. Remember how we can see Jesus' attitude by looking at the fruit that comes from it? If we were to put off our old sinful self and put on the new nature to be like Christ, guess what? We'll see the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll see it because we put those thoughts on. How can I be obedient to God's word? When that is our heart's cry, our attitudes follow. If I put on faithfulness in my heart, if I'm committed to being pure, my attitude toward my spouse will be different. It'll be softer. I'm going to seek to love her even when it's hard because I see Jesus' faithfulness to me. How about another one? Am I drinking excessively or eating like a glutton? If so, my attitude when my spouse calls me out on it is going to be defensive. But if I put on self-control and I seek to honor God in my body, my attitude will be teachable when my spouse tries to help me. Am I being harsh or using angry words or tones, not really paying attention to how they come across or how they're tearing down my marriage? If so, my attitude will be one of frustration and anger. But if I put on gentleness, my attitude will be tender. I will draw my spouse to me rather than push them away in our disagreements. Am I hesitant to talk about tough stuff with my spouse, even though I know that God asked me to rebuke them in love? If so, my attitude will be hesitant and distant. But if I put on perseverance, asking God, give me the words, Lord, my attitude will be one of investment. My spouse will actually see that clearly. Let's talk about two more. Am I not trusting that God has all the unknown details worked out? If not, my attitude is going to be anxious, even in my daily conversations with David. But if I put on joy and peace, my attitude will be one of gracious confidence, knowing that no matter what, God's best will be my future. Am I considering myself more important than my spouse? If so, my attitude will be one of entitlement. But if I put on goodness, wanting to serve like Christ has served me, my attitude is going to be humble and kind, anticipating David's needs. I hope that by going through a few examples here and using Christ's attitude to contrast to ours, we can use this as a tool when we're tempted to be the opposite of what Christ calls us to be. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what's the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God is saying here that when you obey my word over your emotions, over what the world would tell you, when you do my will, your attitude will be completely different. You'll be blessed and your marriage will be the way I intended it to be. God, we ask you right now to help us this week to renew our thoughts and our attitudes as we spend time with you, Lord, as we come to you and our spouse asking, what attitudes have I been blind to? Help us, God, to fight this battle between flesh and spirit, to want what you want, to put off our old nature and to put on the fruit of the spirit and attitudes that reflect you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Join us in our next episode where we continue to go through the four attitude questions. Next up is what speaks my attitude to my spouse and how does it affect our communication and unity? 
For more of what we talked about today and to go deeper with the homework, go to our show notes and read the blog article that has the homework questions. You can find everything you need at VowsToKeep.com. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.